0: Unshackled of Pacific Garden Mission presents History's Greatest Sermons where we share the personal history of godly men who brought forth the truth of the gospel in powerful sermons to a world long ago. Can you imagine sitting at the feet of one of history's greatest preachers and hearing their greatest sermons? Picture yourself on an old wooden pew in Charles Spurgeon's London church or perched in a tree in the fields of a George Whitefield revival, or striding down the sawdust trail at a Billy Sunday prayer meeting. Whatever the scene, hearing these great sermons from the past will be as fitting to today's Christians as the day they were first preached. And now, here are your hosts, Tim Lundeen and Kelly Robbins. Kelly, good to see you again. Welcome back to History's Greatest Sermon. Glad to be seen. Today we're going to hear again from John Engel James which was who we heard from last time, which was a part one. Mm -hmm. So remember, if you're listening, don't forget to download the Unshackled app so that you can listen to part one. A little bit about John Engle James. He's actually before even Charles Haddon Spurgeon on the scene. And uh, he wasn't popular as far as being a, a big, outspoken, charismatic individual but his writings made an impact. Mm. They were about everyday things. I, plenty of them were about scripture, mm-hmm. behavior, daily life stuff. And that just had such an impact. Yes. And that's who we're going to hear from today. Okay.
1: John Engel James started us off, and he really talked about the importance of reading scriptures, how vital that is for godliness. We cannot just rely on heading to church and hearing a pastor mm. or a podcast, but we need to dig in for ourselves. He took a look at some basic excuses. Not understanding, not having time, needing some leadership, needing a guide of some sort. And just really took care of the places where we go, Eh, I can't. It's too difficult. He's saying, well, not so much. You've clearly got the time. You should have the interest. So let's move on. He's going to now talk about some ways to do it. He's got a few rules or guidelines.
0: He talked about one of the rules in the first part of this talk, which was in the previous episode. And his first rule was that we should read scriptures intelligently. That means we should know the author's intent for the book. Mm -hmm. Why was it written? And some of the great, he kind of summed it up interestingly. He said, the object of faith, which is the death of Christ, the object of love, which is the image of Christ or us people, and the object of hope, which is the return of Christ. Yes. An interesting summary and basically what we're to keep in mind every time we read the Bible. Yeah. Also, when we pick up the book, we should say to ourselves, this book is intended to form in me a particular character. Mm-hmm. I really liked it when he, when he hit that, that point hard, yeah. saying, um, not just like, am I reading this and getting my minutes in, but it should leave us with a greater question. Can people tell that I've read the Bible? One of the scenes
1: in the Chosen series mm-hmm. I was watching yesterday, it has to do when Jesus was talking with the the ruler Nicodemus. And Nicodemus had really noted that something was quite unique about this person. Yeah. And so they met at night. And in this portrayal, which it was, it's not just perfectly scriptural, but it is perfect to what could have happened, was the best interaction that I've seen. Because the person's coming saying, I want, we've waited, is it you? And Jesus is coming back saying, if you think this, you don't know the Father. But if you think this, this is why he sent me. And it really wiped away the to-do list Hmm. in terms of I have to act this way, I have to look this way. And our brains tend to make us a list when we read things. Self-improvement.
0: Right, right, right. And
1: he's saying, "Uh uh-uh, this has to do with the heart.
0: Yeah, and understanding the intention behind his words helps us see that heart and to know how to live through that and apply it to our life. I really liked his question. Do others see the fruit and effect of studying the scriptures? Do they see that in my life? That's it. That was part of rule one. Mm -hmm. And now we're going to get into more rules. And he moves through them pretty quickly, actually, in this part. So this is part two of a talk given by John Engle James called Reading the Scriptures. Let's listen.
2: Rule 2. Read reverentially, remembering it is the Word of God. Let there be a, thus says the Lord, sounding in your ears. Realize the fact that it is God speaking to you in every page. Read with that awe and reverence and trembling with which you would listen if Jehovah were speaking to you with an audible voice. I do not like to see the sacred volume treated with disrespect or irreverence, even in the manner of dealing with it or handling it, not from any superstitious feeling, as if there were sanctity in paper and printing, but there is in the contents, and... As we are creatures of association of ideas, we are in danger of losing our reverence for the contents if we treat with disesteem the vehicle which conveys them. How would it aid us in the perusal of the scriptures if we paused before we opened them and reflected thus, I am now going to hear God speak to me. Into what a posture of reverential attention would such a consideration place us? How would it solemnize our minds, check our levity, and prepare us to receive the truth with all its powerful and holy influence? Rule 3. Our perusal of the scriptures should be habitual and constant, and not merely occasional and accidental. Some rarely take up the Scriptures but in a season of trial or difficulty, or a time of leisure, to while away an hour which they know not how otherwise to dispose of. This shows a great neglect, not to say contempt, of the Bible. The Scriptures should be the Christian's own book, and his everyday book. There is never a day in his history when he does not need them and should not use them. David describes the good man as one who delights in the law of the Lord and meditates therein day and night, that is, every day and night. Never let a day pass without reading a portion of Holy Scripture, and ever consider that one duty of the day, and an important one too, has been neglected if scripture reading has been omitted. The truth of scripture is the food of the mind and soul, and we should be as regular in the meals of the soul as in those of the body. Rule 4. Read the Word of God privately. Do not satisfy yourselves with what you hear at family prayer. You need opportunity for meditation, self-application, self-examination, self-reproof, self-stimulus, and indeed the whole business of self-improvement. If you would perform this duty effectually and enjoy this privilege spiritually, you must have leisure and convenience to pause and ponder to say, My soul, mark that. You are lacking in this duty or committing this sin. This is a message from God unto you. This promise, great and precious as it is, belongs to you. This consolation is for you. Look at that glorious object of faith. Contemplate that boundless prospect of glory. Ah, you know not the secret of the Lord, which is with those who fear him, if there be nothing of this retirement, nothing of this self-communion over the Bible. Rule number five. Do not read at random, or trust to accident as the Bible may open, for the portion you peruse. But read consecutively. You must not dip for a passage, or pick and choose for some comfortable text. This occasions a waste of time and leads to the neglect of a large portion of the Scriptures. Read regularly through some portion of the Word. Here, perhaps a question will be asked— whether it is desirable and a duty to read regularly through the whole Bible. I reply that some parts of the books of Moses, which contain what may be called the civil laws of the Jews, were intended, if not exclusively, yet principally for that people. And as they do not so much concern us as other parts, they need not, of course, be so often read. But, even these are calculated, when read with a devout mind, to produce, as they were intended to produce, an impression of the holiness of God, the evil of sin, and the necessity of purity, both of mind and conduct. Still, it must be admitted that there are other portions of Scripture, whatever important ends they were designed to serve— Which tend far more to general edification than Numbers and Leviticus. While the Old Testament is by no means to be neglected, especially the Psalms, Proverbs, and the prophecies, yet more time should be given to the New Testament, without intending to disparage any portion of the Holy Scriptures all of which were given by inspiration of God and are profitable for doctrine, for correction, for reproof, for instruction in righteousness, I may observe that the parts which should be most frequently read are the books of Job, Psalms, Proverbs, and Isaiah in the Old Testament, and the Gospels and Epistles in the New Testament. These should be read through in regular order, but still allotting more time to the New Testament than to the Old. To those who have much time at command, the Scripture should be taken up as a book of sacred science as well as daily practice, to be studied with much devout and solicitous research. Its chronology, geography, natural history, together with the history of the text, all might become matter of pleasant and profitable investigation, and what so worthy of it as that book which boasts of a divine authorship, and was written by the finger of God. Horns' introduction to the study of the Scriptures is a compilation of inestimable value, and by those who can afford to purchase it and have the time to read it, would furnish a wide and instructive range of holy and delightful inquiry. How agreeable an exercise is it to compare spiritual things with spiritual, and to unlock the treasures of the Old Testament by the key of the apostolic writings, and thus to trace the harmony of God's gracious dispensations to the children of men, as centering in the person and work of his son. As to the study of the symbolical and unfulfilled prophecies contained in the books of Daniel and the Apocalypse, this, to all who have leisure, is not only a legitimate but a commendable subject of study, provided they conduct their inquiries with humility draw their conclusions with caution, hold their opinions with a recollection how liable they are to err, and express their views with that diffidence which the multitudinous varieties of sentiment on this obscure topic seem to require. But on other and plainer subjects, there ought to be, with all Christians, more of what is very properly called the the searching of the Scriptures. How superficial is the acquaintance of many with this book of books! How little do they know, because they as little inquire after the mind of the Spirit. Where is the wish, the effort, and the plan to be mighty in the Scriptures, it is not enough to have a verbal acquaintance with them, to have them stored in the memory, though this may be of great service in scenes of sickness and feebleness of sight when reading is difficult or impossible. But what is requisite is an acquaintance with their spiritual import and a skill and facility in applying them to all the varieties of the Christian's situation and experience. For this there must be time, conscientiously set apart and diligently employed. It will not do to satisfy ourselves with a few snatches of the Bible in moments of haste. It will not do to be content with a text taken from some daily portion. It will not do merely to learn and repeat a single passage a day. Oh no! We must be much alone with the Bible and give ourselves to the delightful task of poring over its pages. Still, however, it becomes us to recollect that it is not knowledge alone we should seek, but holiness. It is with this precious food of divine truth as it is with the nutriment of the body, there is both pleasure in eating it as well as strength derived from eating it, but it is the latter that is to be regarded as the ultimate end. Rule number six. Let it not be your aim to read much, but to read well. To read well is to read with understanding, with meditation, with feeling, with consolation, with improvement. A single verse thus read is better than a whole chapter carelessly and formally gone through. Some people set themselves the daily task of reading so many chapters, and would feel very unhappy if the task were not performed. But this is all. There is no inquiry into meaning, no meditation, no self-application. They know no more when they have finished what they have been reading about than if they had not read at all. Always look at the heading or title of a chapter before you begin to read it, that you may know what the design of it is. Then connect each verse with this design of the whole chapter, and the whole chapter with the design of the whole epistle. It would greatly help you to understand the epistles if you ascertain first their design, and occasionally read through a complete epistle at once, observing its own natural divisions independently of the chapters, which are sometimes Very injudiciously divided. Rule number seven. It is important, if you would profit, to mix faith with reading as well as hearing. The Apostle has beautifully expressed this, where he says When you received the Word of God, which you heard from us, you received it not as the Word of men, but as it is in truth the Word of God, which effectually works in you that believe. 1 Thessalonians 2.13. Though it is the Word of God sharper than any two-edged sword, it cannot work in us without faith. The reason why it works so little in the way of holiness, consolation, and zeal is because there is so little faith. It is often read by believers themselves without faith. There is not an act and exercise of faith in it at the time, no felt sense of the truth of the chapter that is thus read, no deep conviction, no practical persuasion of the divine authority and power of that promise, command, invitation, or threatening which may be before the mind." There is the principle of faith in the Bible as a whole, but not the exercise of faith at that time, and in reference to that part of the Bible then read, what an impression would the Word always produce on us if we pause to make these two reflections. This chapter is God's Word to me now, and all His words are true. Rule number eight. We should read the Scriptures with earnest prayer for the teaching of the Spirit. The teaching of the Spirit is not to be expected apart from the Word, nor a right understanding and impression of the Word apart from the teaching of the Spirit. Divine influence is not to be sought or looked for in the way of granting us a new revelation or new faculties, but in the way of a right direction of our present faculties to understand the revelation we already possess. That which makes this influence necessary is not a defect in the Bible, but in ourselves. The Bible, as a revelation, is all that is necessary. The law of the Lord is perfect converting the soul, but there is a defect of the spiritual, though not mental, organ in us to receive its light. It is no fault of the sun that a blind man cannot see the great luminary. Our judgments are affected by the state of our hearts, Hence, we are liable to err in our minds because of the imperfections of our hearts. Our corruptions send up exhalations into the higher regions of our minds, and thus the atmosphere becomes cloudy and prevents the rays of truth from shining into our souls. Hence, the need of praying. Lord, Open my eyes that I may behold wondrous things out of your law. None of us will have any more spiritual understanding than the Spirit gives us, but then He will give us as much as we seek by earnest and believing prayer. To grow in grace and in knowledge, we must consult both the book and its divine author one by study and the other by prayer. What a privilege should we esteem it in reference to a human author if he were to say, when you want any information on any point of my work, come and ask me for illustration and explanation. God does say this to us in reference to his book. His Spirit reveals to us His mind and will in the Scriptures. Hence those striking prayers of the Apostle. I pray that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Glorious Father, would give you a spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Him. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened so you may know what is the hope of his calling? What are the glorious riches of his inheritance among the saints? And what is the immeasurable greatness of his power to us who believe according to the working of his vast strength?
1: That
0: was John Engel James portrayed by Jim McCants. Lots of ruleish guidelines, yes. but
1: these are actually bits of wisdom Yeah. as we tackle opening the word of God.
0: Yeah. Uh, of course, today we'd use a different word. We'd use mm-hmm. uh, suggestions or benefits of whatever. He just calls them rules, yeah, which rules I are appreciate. Out. I can appreciate <laughs> that. Um, I don't think they were in any particular order. Mm-hmm. I don't think he would have said Here's the uh, eight or nine rules and, and they must be done in this order. And these are more important than these. I think they're just great guidelines. And yes. that first one he started with, of course, in part one was knowing the intention of the author. Yes. And in this part two, he starts with rule two, which was reverence, mm. that respect and fear of the Lord, mm-hmm. that when we're reading his word, it impacts how we take it in. I think that was powerful. Yes. And it, reverence is not a word we use a lot. No. It's that which we hold high.
1: And so we need to walk in with that. Two talked about habits and constancy. Yeah. So we need to keep coming because that, as we mentioned before, familiarizes you with what's happening, what's God saying, who's he saying it to, how's that impact me?
0: Yeah. When he mentioned habitual, I thought, okay, yeah, so read all the time. And he kind of clarified it by saying, it means you're intentional Mm. not accidental. And I thought, oh, I accidentally read the Bible today. I (laughs) think, yeah, I think I know what he means, that we are intentional in the time we spend. And then he mentioned that uh, the rule of doing it privately. Mm. Uh, There's so many Bible studies and groups, small groups. Of course, there's Sunday morning sermons and stuff. And then he says, no, 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 spend time privately. And the reasoning of it was that time you get in meditation, self-application, self-examination, And he says, self Mm reproof It's a lot easier to do when it's you and the word of God, as opposed to in a group, we tend to, I don't know, filter or guard or like, well, I'm not going to really be honest with myself right now because there's a group of people here. We don't get to hide that way when we're reading privately.
1: Yep, yep. And let's mention for just a moment, devotionals per se. Yeah. It is great to have a devotional and that gives you variety and some guidance, et cetera, but nothing replaces your time in God's word.
0: Yeah. Um, He says one of the rules is to read consecutively, Mm. and I think the value who is placing on that was it's, as opposed to skipping around or randomly picking something at passage, there is something very powerful to be said in reading the scriptures, Uh, even in one book. Just read the whole book. Read it in order. Instead of jumping around, it, it allows us to get the context of it, and it also keeps us from neglecting large portions of the Bible because we yes. just always jump to the passages we like.
1: Yes, we do. But there are meta themes, there are minor themes, and as you go, you'll you'll miss that if you hop around a lot. Yeah. Now, he did mention there are places that you don't want to spend a lot of time. <laughs> yeah. Numbers and Leviticus. A little
0: tangent of his yeah. of uh, you should read the whole Bible, but if your habit is to read the whole Bible through every single time, there are probably passages that aren't going to minister to your spirit as much as maybe you need. Mm-hmm. Um, and he also touched on, uh, it's okay to go through passages that have to do with deeper spiritual things, or even like Revelation or some of the prophets where you're like, I don't understand yeah. what half of this stuff is about. And I think he says, that's okay. Yeah. Go to the gospels, go to the epistles, go to the poets. Those are great spiritual foundations, but still read them in order. Yeah. It's Very not good. knowledge alone we should seek, but holiness. That was yes. the point he made during that.
1: And and there's where you can't leave off the Old Testament for the new either. You have to, you get the sense of God's holiness in the Old Testament and it comes about in the new. And for rule six, don't just read a lot. Don't just make time, but read well. So if it takes you a long time to get through the whole Bible, I think that's perfectly fine. If the spirit moves you to dwell, to abide in a certain passage or section, do so.
0: Yeah. His words were read with understanding meditation, consolation, and improvement Mm. rather than like you said, ah, well, I read today or I did my chapter. No, there's the the
1: mental. And bring your faith. Yeah. Bring your faith while you're reading. See God's plan. See that God loves you. Put your weight on it as you do the chair you happen to be sitting in right
0: now. The final rule he touched on, which is kind of getting to something that's impacting my life recently, is he says in rule eight, read with earnest prayer. Mm. And you maybe have heard people say that even some pastors, I should think all pastors in there before their sermon, they do a prayer and they say, you know, you know, they pray the congregation would hear the word of God, not just the word of the pastor. A lot of pastors pray that on a Sunday morning, uh, but that we should do the same, mm-hmm. that we should read with earnest prayer for the teaching of the spirit. Yes. Um, not just open the Bible. And again, it's not a chore, but it's this reverent awe of the word of God to me right now. Yes. And all of God's words are true and so i pray and i say okay what it, what am i supposed to pay attention to that's a prayer i love p- uh, praying god help me to pay attention in whatever's going to happen
1: so if you are just starting this faith journey with your reading simply pray that god would open your eyes to understand and as you continue in that he will show you more and more and more as you're mentioning
0: yeah our prayer should be that we should take in more scripture mm-hmm. It should not just be a daily thing and a task, but a life-giving thing, just as much as eating or sleeping or taking in any other piece of information we take in. Um, We've got plenty of time to read the Word of God. Maybe we don't always understand it, but we have to spend more time in it to familiarize ourselves with the Word of God.
1: You know, there's a saying about any relationship. It's not going to end up being a solid relationship unless... You hit that point of not understanding or the need for forgiveness, and that happens. With God, it's the same. He brings us to the place where we begin to understand our true need, and then you move forth. If you get to that and stop, it'll never be.
0: Again, just as a reminder, this was part two. If you want to hear part one, go ahead and download the Unshackled app or at unshackled.org. And remember, we'd like to hear from you as well. Send us an email to podcast at unshackled.org. We'd love to hear from you.
1: This has been History's Greatest Sermons, an Unshackled production of Pacific Garden Mission, produced and directed by Timothy Gregory. To hear more Unshackled content, you can download our app. Get it for free at any of the major app stores. For more information, visit unshackled.org. Join us next time as we experience another one of History's Greatest Sermons.